0: This is a CCRI radio podcast. New content every week from students at the Community College of Rhode Island. Listen, watch, read, and get involved at ccri.edu slash student Glad to have you in this afternoon. We are live from the night campus of CCRI in Warwick, Rhode Island. I'm Josh Loisel, and this is the show Hold That Out. I hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, You know, I hope everybody was with, you know, their friends, their family. Hopefully, you know, you had the weekend off from work. You're able to, you know, relax, go to the gym, do whatever it is that, you know, helps you, you know, meditate, you know, get your mind and your body right and all that stuff. Um, Wild last couple weeks we've had um, in sports, the NBA season kicking back off, uh, hockey kicking back off. Uh, the World Series just wrapping up, the Houston Astros just won another championship, and uh, we're about halfway through the NFL season, and uh, it's been a wild one. Uh, we had a very interesting one last night, Kansas City and Tennessee, pretty entertaining. Um, if you took Kansas City minus 12 and a half, uh, it wasn't really a good night for you, but nonetheless, uh, very entertaining weekend of football. Um, let's start with this. I want to get into the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, for those of you who don't know me well enough, uh, my prediction before the season had begun was that the Raiders would go on to win the Super Bowl. Uh, I really liked the moves that the franchise had made in the offseason. They had upgraded at GM. They got Dave Ziegler from the New England Patriots. Uh, They had a really, really, really good draft. The trade for Devontae Adams um, they desperately needed to have a, uh, some consistency on the perimeter with a number one receiver. We all, unfortunately, know how the situation with Henry Ruggs had panned out last year. The signing of Chandler Jones, uh, a veteran pass rusher, really, really good on third down situations, uh, tackles very well, huge upgrade for the defense. They looked more stable couple young safeties that I like. Uh, the young kid, Trayvon Mowring is having a good season. Uh, I like the corner, Nate Hobbs, even though he's been a little banged up. But I really like the moves that they had made in the way that the offense had looked. Uh, like I had mentioned, Devontae Adams is a true number one. Hunter Renfro in the slot. Darren Waller, an extremely dynamic tight end. Uh, Josh Jacobs is having arguably the best season of his career. And I just like how aggressive they were in one season. They, they were done with the 20 years of mediocrity, uh, being pushed around by, you know, Kansas City and the Chargers and the Broncos, and they took a big swing. They said, we're done being pushed around, we're done being the little brother, it's our time to shine. And if I'm being completely honest with those of you who are in the guest audience, I not only have my questions about this group moving forward, but as of today, officially, I am selling my stock on the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, they are officially cooked. Um, they just fell to 2-6 and six yesterday with a road defeat versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. And to say the least, Josh McDaniels has been an absolute disaster. Uh, that's putting it politely. He's not the answer as the head coach. They're not very good schematically. They're not good situationally. They have started the season 0-3. and three, Already a massive red flag. They also are 0-5 and five in games that are decided by 7 or less points. Like I had mentioned, they're not good situationally. They're 0-5 and five on the road. That, to me, comes down to coaching. You have to get your unit, your troops, your men... Anybody who's on your team, you have to prepare them not only for the game, but for the hostile environments that you are going to play in. You had two weeks to prepare for the Houston Texans. You had came off of a bye. You were at home and you were trailing by 17 points before you had came back and won the game. Okay, that's against the Houston Texans. You got shut out on the road versus New Orleans the following week. The ball did not cross... Midfield the entire game. I'll repeat that again. The ball did not cross midfield the entire game. Devontae Adams, one catch, three yards. Okay, that's not good. They have blown three leads this season that have consisted of 16 or more points. All three of them have not held on to them. Hunter Renfro, an excellent, excellent slot receiver, is nowhere to be found. On the season, 21 receptions, 192 yards, zero touchdowns. Those are the red flags of a bad coach. The offense completely stalls out in the second half of games. They average 9.7 points in the second half. 9.7! That's with a B-plus quarterback, a top-five receiver... A top five slot receiver. Josh Jacobs is having the season of his career. I don't get it. You've been shut out in the second half three times. You have not scored a single point in the last two quarters of games three times. What's the most upsetting about that is that it's Josh McDaniel's side of the ball. Formerly an offensive coordinator from the New England Patriots. I don't understand what the... I. I just don't understand what the issue is. Think about it like this. Sean McVay got the head coaching job with the Los Angeles Rams. um, I believe 2017. Yes, it was 2017. My, My apology. In his second year as the coach with the LA Rams, he got Jared Goff, who most of you cannot stand, to a Super Bowl. The offense clicked his side of the ball. Kyle Shanahan, San Francisco 49ers. Okay, didn't have the quarterback his first year. Made the trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. He came out in the 2018 season. He got injured, missed a majority of the year. 2019, Jimmy's healthy, the team's healthy. They got playmakers all over the place. They end up going to the Super Bowl. Some people, including myself, say they should have beaten Kansas City. Offense clicked. His side of the ball. Ime Doku, former coach of the Boston Celtics. Took half. Second half of um, his first year in Boston, but they got to the finals. Post-All-Star break, the defense was lights out. You could see the chemistry, the ball movement, the confidence between Brown, his side of the ball, his identity. He's a disciple from Greg Popovich. Robert Sala, head coach of the New York Jets, defensive coach. Halfway through year two, the defense has an identity. They tackle well. They get after the quarterback. They can stop the run. They're really good. They're really talented in the back end. His side of the ball. There are several other examples I can give. The bottom line is that you cannot be bad in what you lean into. In anything in life. Not just sports. Whatever it is that you do. Okay? If that's what you lean into, you can't be bad at it. The next few games on their schedule. Indianapolis. You want to say to yourself that that's a winnable game. Is it? At Denver. At Seattle. Come back home to play the LA Chargers. At the LA Rams. Come back to host New England. On the road versus Pittsburgh. I mean, there are some winnable games in that stretch. But with the inconsistency. The constant travel. Their next four games, they're on the road three. Also, to be noted, when John Gruden came back and coached the Raiders most recently, the team was bad after Thanksgiving. They were bad. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he won something around 38% of his games post-Thanksgiving. That's, that's not good. So, if McDaniels truthfully wants to have job security, if he wants to get another crack at another season... He needs to turn the page of the old notion that this team collapses in the back end of the season, right? They went on a magical run last year with Rich Pasaccia, who was the interim head coach once Gruden got whacked early in the beginning of the year. But you've seen it unravel. Offensive line still has issues. They're not consistent on defense. Mark Davis put a lot of money and trust into McDaniels to not only make the playoffs, but to do more than just make the playoffs and be what the money that they spent dictates, title contenders. So far, if I'm being completely honest, they are far and away from that. I personally would ride the season out. I'm, I'm not a firm believer in canning a coach or firing a coach, rather. Halfway through a season. That I just do I do not believe into that. We'll get into that on a later episode. But you ride the season out with Josh McDaniels, part ways with him when the season ends, and get on the phone with Sean Payton. Get Sean Payton in the building. Don't waste any time. You know he can coach. He's a player's coach, right? Won games with Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Brees on the back nine with busted up ribs. Okay. Uh, Taysom Hill. Used him as a gadget guy. Jameis Winston. He won games. You're telling me that he can't win games with this offense? People are paralyzed by fear. The fear of being wrong. People are self-conscious and they they they're, they're so paralyzed by it that they're afraid by what other people's opinions are going to be. I firmly believe... Social media plays a role into that. If you can be coachable in life, anywhere, and anything that you do, with hard work, you'll find a way. That involves owning mistakes and learning from them. This, unfortunately, was a mistake. Now, I'm not saying Josh McDaniels is a bad person, or he isn't smart, or that he doesn't have a resume that was worth giving him another shot. I mean, he had won Super Bowls with the Patriots, Right? Won games with Jimmy Garoppolo, won a game with Jacoby Brissett, Matt Jones, Matt Castle the year that Tom Brady tore his ACL. So I'm not saying that he's not a bright person. However, it's not that hard to spot talent. Because I was a firm believer in this particular situation when McDaniels got the job. I said to all my friends, and I said to people that asked me, I am a firm believer that lightning does not strike in the same spot twice. He's got a quarterback, weapons, a solid left tackle. Josh Jacobs is healthy. He's running like a madman. The defense looked better. I just, I don't know. I don't have the answer. There's no excuse. But there's a, And there's also a difference, to be noted, There is a difference between a coach and a coordinator. Like I had just mentioned, it isn't overly challenging to spot really good. Mike McDaniels, think about this. Mike McDaniels got the job in Miami this summer as the coach. He was the offensive coordinator with the Ford Niners. came from Kyle Shanahan. Have you looked at Tua? Looks good. Looks pretty good. And I've been a critic of Tua. I'm not really crazy about his throwing motion and his velocity on, you know, balls that go down the fields. I don't really think he can go off-platform. But, ladies and gentlemen, you have to call a spade a spade when it's drawn from the deck. Miami's offense looks nothing like it did last year and years in the past. It's Mike McDaniel's side of the ball. Now, you can argue, oh, well, Josh, they got Tyreek Hill, and they went and got... um. Taron Armstead at left hack, Yes, they did. But that's what teams that are trying to win go out and do. You spend money. You take big swings. You take big risks. I'm not going to bang on the Miami Dolphins front office for doing that. They wanted to ride him out and see what they could squeeze out of him. All right, get a coach. Get some weapons. Looks pretty good. I don't know how sustainable. I don't know how far it can go in this particular year. but looks pretty good. Sean Payton is in his 50s, plenty of years left. He was on a talk show very recently and said that he's not fully committed to retirement. If the situation was right, he would absolutely come back to the NFL. The Raiders' job, if it became available, it's a pretty good situation. Now, the division is tough because you have Kansas City and the Chargers and Denver, at some point, is going to figure out their issues. But it's not like... Sean Payton would be walking into a rebuilding situation like he would some other teams. Like just this morning I was on my way driving in. I heard on the radio that Frank Reich, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, got fired. Colts look like they're in a rebuild. Looks like they're tanking for a top 10 pick. Carolina Panthers, they're in a rebuild. Right? If Lovely Smith doesn't survive Houston Texans, that job will be available. Those are all rebuilding situations. The Raiders... Quarterback, weapons, pass rush, left tackle, young corner, Nate Hobbs. He's slowly emerging. He's a little banged up. I like the pieces in the secondary. Now, they have some things they have to clean up up on on the roster, right? They need to fill some holes on the offensive line. um, Outside of Colton Miller, the left tackle, and Anthony Bars, who's an interior offensive lineman. It's pretty spotty, right? Josh Jacobs is also set to hit the market after this year. The uh, the front office of the Raiders did not pick up his fifth-year option. So, do you go back? Do you try to potentially try to work some cap space out and maybe resign him? If not, what do you do at running back? Also, Darren Waller, excellent tight end, though he's banged up, has been mentioned in trade rumors. Do you move him, right? Could maybe use another linebacker, help you stop the run. So they have things that I like going for them. Just like every team that has won or competed for a title in the last four or five years have had. All the things I had mentioned. It's not a bad gig. They need to figure something out soon. And also, may it be noted that teams that do have good situations, that they potentially could be moving off of their coach. Los Angeles Chargers... If they miss the playoffs, second straight year with Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley is not coming back, right? Nathaniel Hackett, if he can't figure things out in Denver, he's not getting another crack because that has been a meltdown. Cliff Kingsbury, Arizona, that, that's another plane that's spiraling out of control. So those three teams that I just mentioned have a roster, have a quarterback. It's not like those situations are rebuilds either. That's like a plug-and-play sort of situation. But for the Las Vegas Raiders, they need to figure something out soon. I don't buy into any of the true trade Derek Carr rumors. That's all nonsense, right? His $121 million extension on three years with a no-trade clause, that's going to kick in next year, right? I mean, if you decide to move off him, you got to eat all that dead cat money. And Derek also gets to pick where he goes. So that ties your hands behind your back as a general manager because Derek gets to pick where he wants to go. So that limits your options and what you can get back in return. So if it were me, you ride the quarterback out, you don't break the core of this unit necessarily. If something presents itself for Darren Waller, you sleep on it. I don't necessarily think you move him either, but again, if it's too good to be true... It probably is, but again, the Las Vegas Raiders need to figure something out. They need to figure something out fast because this is not a playoff team at this point. Like I said, at this point in time, you sell the stock. At this point, you just gear for next year. Hope that nobody gets a serious injury where it's going to offset the beginning portion of next year. It was worth the swing I liked what they did I still like the pieces But They need to figure something out Soon Fast Because this isn't working out At all And that's on the Raiders Very disappointing A Lot of question marks This is a CCRI radio podcast New content every week From students at the Community College of Rhode Island Listen, watch, read, and get involved at ccri.edu slash student Okay, so let's shift gears and talk about teams that are geared or at least have the components to compete for a Super Bowl, right? There's a few teams, and I know a lot of people think other teams have better chances than others. So to me, there are about 10 teams in the NFL right now that I would consider potentially making a run for a Super Bowl. Now, there are five that I like and can trust more than the other five for multiple different reasons, and we're about to dive into those. So I'm going to use the term teams that are in and out of the Super Bowl bubble. So the five teams that I have in the bubble, in no particular order, Kansas City, Buffalo, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Baltimore It's interesting to me because these five teams All sort of remind me of each other in similar ways Not completely Because there are things that out of these five teams That I think some do better than others But for the most part They either have a coach, a quarterback, weapons Or their roster really blows me away Or a combination of any of those Let's start with Kansas City Goes without being said. Andy Reid, head coach, Mahomes, electrifying quarterback. They are solid on the perimeter on offense in terms of their wide receivers. Travis Kelsey is an amazing tight end. I like their front seven on defense. Situationally, they can beat you a lot of different ways. They can slow the game down. They can beat you over the top. However, there are a few things that I consider for this team moving forward. They are small and inexperienced in the secondary of their defense, their corners and their safeties. That could potentially come back and bite them. Plus, I feel they don't efficiently run the ball consistently for the offensive line that they have. And I mean that the Chiefs have a great, great offensive line. Orlando Brown at left tackle. Joe Tooney at left guard. Creed Humphrey at center. Andrew Wiley at left tackle. The, kid, the the younger kid, Trey Smith, they have at right guard. I mean, they are electric up front, which allows Patrick Mahomes to hang in the pocket and make plays. However, this team does tend to get a little quirky at times. And what I mean by that, Patrick Mahomes also gets into these slumps. For example, they almost lost to the Tennessee Titans last night. On Sunday night football. They only scored 20 points. If they go off the if Patrick Mahomes rather, excuse me, if Patrick Mahomes mechanically goes off the rails for a patch of games, which he has in the past, does that come back to haunt them when you have Buffalo riding their coattails? You have Baltimore creeping up on them. So it's gonna be interesting to see how Kansas City goes from here on out. Buffalo Bills. A lot of horsepower on this team. They have um, a knockout quality. I don't think many teams in the league have. Josh Allen is playing lights out. He's a star. Big arm, 6'6", 250. Um, At times, he's one of the five fastest people on the field. Uh, They're explosive on the perimeter. Stephon Diggs is a star wide receiver. Uh, They're all, in all three phases of their defense, they play lights out. They're aggressive. However... I feel that they are too dependent on Allen to make plays. Can they run the ball more? Can they win in a big spot? We talk about how great Buffalo is, and they are great. I love their roster. I like how they're constructed. But it's now time for them to step up to the big moment and be who you claim that you are. We know that you're great. We know that the talent's there. But it actually takes now you coming to these big games... And playing the way we feel that you can play. And go to where we think you can go. That's all it comes down to now. Also. They are young at corner. Can that come back and haunt them? Potentially. Philadelphia. One of. If not. The biggest shock. In the NFL. They can beat you. In a lot of different ways. They can run the ball. They have one of the best offensive lines in football. They can push the ball down the field through the air on passing plays. Their defense is insane. They're buttoned up. They have very good special teams. Nick Sariani, one of the biggest things I've been wrong on in coaching in sports. I did not think he would work. He not only worked, he's hitting a home run. Won nine games his first year, got Philly to the playoffs. They're now geared for another playoff run, possibly beyond that. My biggest question is that we know the defense is experienced. Guys that were on that Super Bowl team in 2017 are still on the team. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, the defensive uh, lineman, Barnett. They have the experience on that side of the ball. Can Jalen Hurts step up in a big moment? A.J. Brown, who's killing it this year, can he step up in big moments? Devonta Smith, can he step up in big moments? Right? So that's pretty much one of the biggest questions that I have for Philadelphia. San Francisco, I love basically everything about this unit. The coach, the weapons, uh, even though Debo Samuel is banged up, they have Brandon Ayuk, they have George Kittle. Uh, Jimmy G wins games. He looks like he's in his groove. Star left tackle. The defense, like usual, is playing insane. They have a great front seven. The secondary stepping up. Uh, Their issue, once again, is that they're plagued by injuries. That's one of the biggest questions. Can they get right at the right time? Because notice, 2018, Jimmy Garoppolo missed a, a really good portion of that season. They were banged up in a lot of key areas. Come back the next year, 2019. Make a Super Bowl run. We're up 10 on the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Then they ended up losing. Following year, plagued by injuries in 2020. Missed the playoffs. Come back the next year, fully healthy. Go to the conference championship versus the Los Angeles Rams. So it's there. The thing with this team is that they have to be healthy at the right time. Can they get right at the right time? And finally, the Baltimore Ravens. Can we stop hating on Lamar Jackson? Please? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable at this point. Um, they're, they're better on the offensive line. Mark Andrews is a stud, though he's hurt. I love the trade for Roquan Smith, the linebacker from the Chicago Bears. They needed the help on defense. But I mean, it's just, it's incredible to me the the skepticism and the hate for Lamar Jackson. He's not a quarterback. He only, He's a running back playing in the quarterback position. Okay, because you know that he won the Heisman Trophy in college as a quarterback. He won an NFL MVP as a quarterback. His numbers are insane, right? Now, what I do question is, Is that they are a little danged up. Uh, They play differently in second half of games. That's sort of a red flag. I don't think even when they are healthy that they are explosive enough. Though Lamar Jackson is explosive and dynamic enough where he can make plays which can also set up plays for other people. I trust John Harbaugh, a Super Bowl winning head coach. They have the pieces. They have... The remedy, they have the recipe. It's a matter of just piecing it all together. Can they rally the troops and make a run? So again, those five teams, Kansas City, Buffalo, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Baltimore, those feel like Super Bowl teams, right? They feel like those teams compared more than others have what it takes to go to the Super Bowl. And that's not to say that things can't happen where things can spiral out of control or injuries rack up or they have, you know, a rough stretch in their schedule. But again, those for the most part, coach, quarterback, roster, um, they, they, they just feel different from most people. And then there are five teams that I like, but something feels off or I have bigger questions and concerns than the other five. And those five teams are Cincinnati, Minnesota, Los Angeles, Chargers, Miami, and Dallas. I'm sure you're laughing at me when I say Dallas. So let's look at those five teams that are outside the Super Bowl bubble. Cincinnati. They just came off of a Super Bowl appearance. Some say that it was magic in a bottle. To me, they have a well-rounded enough roster. They poured a lot of money into the offensive line. They're stacked with weapons. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon as a stud running back. Um, However, Joe Burrow is still getting whacked. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't like that. He had a really massive injury a few years ago. They need to protect their franchise asset. They also need to tighten up on the back end of their defense. I feel they give up too many explosive plays when the front seven is being contained. Because they have a really good front seven. They have some really good playmakers on their defensive line. I feel like their linebackers have gotten better. Also, I feel that they have the right coach. I think Zach Taylor is a good coach. I'm just not 100% sure how good of a coach that he is. Like I said, I'm not saying he's bad. Again, you have Joe Burrow. You have weapons. Your division's kind of wonky. So, again, I'm not saying that he's a hack I just don't think that he's a stud, necessarily. I feel time will, you know, show us how accurate that statement is. Then you have Minnesota. They were my pick their win to win their division, the NFC North. So far, that looks really good. Looks pretty good. 7-1. and one. The offense is solid. Justin Jefferson is a star receiver. Uh, they made the trade um, from the Detroit Lions to get tight end. T.J. Hawkinson. They now have a stud at tight end. They have a stud on the outside. Adam Thielen is a solid number two receiver. They have other good receivers such as K.J. Osborne. Dalvin Cook is having a solid year. Enticing to give them good. Kirk Cousins is playing very well. So there are things about this team that look, you know, a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. Now, they have a rookie head coach. Though I like him so far, though I feel he's done a really good job on his side of the ball, right? Came from, I believe it was Kyle, it was, uh, no, I, I apologize. It was Sean McVay's coaching staff from the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, it was the Los Angeles Rams, I apologize. He came from McVay, and he's hit it out the park. However, he's inexperienced. Also, can Kurt Cousins remove the notion... That he disappears in big spots. Because on Monday Night Football, he's 2-10. Okay? Out of 12 Monday Night Football games that he has played, he's won two of them. The Super Bowl is completely different from Monday Night Football. Okay? That notion needs to be removed. Because if Kirk can't step up, that is going to hold this team back. Miami. They have been knocking it out of the park. Consistently. Offensive line weapons, defense has multiple playmakers. Mike McDaniel's is putting Tua in an excellent position to succeed. Though I had my thoughts and doubts about Tua, I didn't. I think he was a marginal athlete. I feel that he has an average arm. I'm not crazy about his release. Uh, there were reports being released to the Miami Herald. Years ago, about his leadership status and can he command a locker room. But again, so far, so good. Two is playing pretty good. Can't, can't knock him, right? Goes back to my old philosophy. You got to call a spade a spade. If, you know, they're moving the ball, they're scoring points. Now, again, similarly to the Minnesota Vikings, they have a rookie head coach that's inexperienced. When you're going up against an Andy Reid, A Sean McDermott in Buffalo, a John Harbaugh in Baltimore, right? These are experienced head coaches. In the case of Andy Reid and John Harbaugh, those are Super Bowl winning head coaches. Also, can you consistently run the ball and not put as much pressure on Tua to step up in big moments? Which leads me to that exact point. Can Tua step up in cold weather on the road in a big spot? Because we haven't seen it. It's not a knock. I'm not saying that he can't. I'm just simply pointing out the fact we have not seen that. Other than that, Miami has a lot of key components. Left tackle, star receiver, lockdown corner, a pass rush. They they have components. We just have to see it all unfold at the right time. The Los Angeles Chargers. I love the way their roster is made up. Justin Herbert is an emerging star, though he has been at times struggling this season. They have playmakers all over the place, on both sides of the ball. Now, there are a few things. They have all sorts of injuries at wideout. Keenan Allen's banged up, Mike Williams is banged up, the kid uh, Guyton is banged up, and Jordan Palmer's banged up, Okay. They also lost their star left tackle for the season. Rashawn Slater. They have missed him for the season. They've had injuries on defense. J.C. Jackson was banged up. Khalil Matt, uh, excuse me, Joey Bosa was a little banged up. Also, Brandon Staley is a 50-50 for me. I don't trust him situationally. Which makes me believe if he misses the playoffs for the second year in a row with this roster, he could potentially more than likely, be out of work. However, if they can get things right, if they can figure out how they're going to address the injuries that they have, can Brandon Staley stop being so aggressive on fourth down instead of settling for points, that could possibly remove that notion. And finally, I have the Dallas Cowboys. Get the laughs out No, I know. Cowboys jokes. Here we come. But if we are being reasonable and realistic, they have some title components. They can run the ball. They have a star receiver on the perimeter. Their defense is insane. Micah Parsons is separating himself from the rest of the league very quickly. Tyron Smith is coming back at left tackle. And let it be noted, the offensive line has held up for the most part this season with him being absent. Dak Prescott is back. He looks to be getting comfortable, getting in a rhythm. Cooper Rush was able to hold the fort down for four games. Though he went 3-1, he didn't look bad. He was able to put them in a a better situation. Now, Mike McCarthy, the head coach, is a clock management meltdown waiting to happen. They were also very unbuttoned up in the playoffs last year. 10-plus penalties that accumulated for over 100-plus yards. That worries me. Also, if C.D. Lamb, their star receiver, goes down, even for a portion of time, they're in trouble at wideout. Can Ezekiel Elliott be more consistent? I mean, it's good that they also have Tony Pollard, but if they can run the ball with two backs, that will also give them more of an advantage on offense. So those are the teams I have my eyes on. I got Kansas City, Buffalo, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Baltimore in the bubble, and outside the bubble, I have Cincinnati, Minnesota, Miami, the Los Angeles Chargers, and Dallas. So there you go. Again, those teams, for the most part, have components that I like. There are teams that I like more than certain ones that I just mentioned. And then there are teams that I don't buy into completely as Super Bowl contenders. Like, for example, Seattle, though they are playing better than... What I had thought... I have major concerns. Um, Geno Smith has never played in a playoff game. Um, Can their rookie tackles step up in big moments in a playoff spot? Pete Carroll, the defense... it's, it's, It's better, but it's still, to me, not a Super Bowl defense. Same thing with both teams in New York. The Giants, the Jets... I don't trust Daniel Jones in a big spot. I don't buy into Zach Wilson. So... That right there is a huge boa constrictor on how far those teams can go. Also, the Arizona Cardinals are crumbling. What's going on? I'm not sold on the Denver Broncos. I like their roster. I have huge question marks about their coaching. The Rams are too steep in a hole coming off of a Super Bowl hangover, right? Tennessee isn't vertical enough on the perimeter on offense or dynamic at quarterback. Those are things that you need. I like their defense. The defense is not bad. But again, you need horsepower on offense. I love Derrick Henry. We are in an era of football now where you need more than just a run game. You need all components. You need a tight end, a wide out, and a running back. Uh, the New England Patriots. There's way too much to unpack on that one. Um, I question their play calling. Uh, They've been very inconsistent at quarterback play. Um, I feel that they're slow on the outside, on offense. I don't feel that they're vertical or dynamic enough at receiver. And so, there you go. There you have all the teams that I feel have better chances than some. And to close out today's episode, I wanted to briefly talk about the Golden State Warriors. I wanted to touch up on some basketball. Uh, I know, like I had mentioned, the, the season had just started along with, you know, the NHL uh, MLB had just concluded uh, football is really the the driving point right now. We're halfway through the season We're you know, playoff implications are now setting in, but I really wanted to talk about the Golden State Warriors because they are the standard of the NBA from the ownership, the GM, the coach, Steph Curry's a star. They sign the right people. They don't overspend. They develop the talent that they draft very, very well. Uh, they play with a cohesion. They have great chemistry. Uh, the defense is really, really solid. You know, they've become the new dynasty, so to speak. You know, their fourth championship in eight years. Um, they've also won back-to-back titles in that process. Um, that's definitely, like I had just mentioned, the gold standard to the NBA. However, I do mention... Or I will mention, rather, excuse me. That there's something so far that is off about this unit. That ever since the incident with Draymond Green and Jordan Poole, I feel like there is an undermining animosity that's going on in the locker room. Because I feel... Because I feel that this team, more traditionally than not, is very well buttoned up. And with that incident, for those of you who are unaware... What happened, a video was released by TMZ uh, before the season had kicked off, which had consisted of Draymond Green um, punching one of his teammates, Jordan Poole. And And when the video had surfaced, there was a lot of questions that were being asked in terms of what is going to be the direction or how the team, rather, is going to respond from the adversity. And so far, I'm looking at it right now they're 3 and 7 and i know it's the beginning of the season i know that it's early to write off a team with so much experience but i'm looking at stephen curry and though he is playing lights out he leads his team in every category i don't feel that there is the the buy-in from years previously i don't feel that everybody is necessarily comfortable because they know they know that Draymond Green is hard to get along with Though he can be a good teammate in the aspect that he can buy into the culture, into the schemes, and he can make the extra pass, his character at times can wear a room out. Um, Draymond has his own personality, and I'm not taking a shot at Draymond Green, but if we're being realistic, his approach, his demeanor, there comes a territory with it. Um, He's always getting some kind of publicity, whether he's getting ejected, Whether he's getting a technical foul, he's getting into it. Now I understand that, you know, he has a Dennis Rodman quality to him. And that every team, so to speak, in basketball needs a battering ram or a bouncer or a security guard, so to speak. But I'll tell you, I see the body language of this team and that it's starting to wear out on them. It's starting to wear them out because it's not the publicity and not the attention the group should be getting. Instead of us talking about them coming off of another championship run, we're now talking about, is the locker room divided? On top of the fact you've only won three of your first 10 games. All of the action and all the stats are coming from one person. Steve Kerr walking on eggshells with the media at the podium. I just feel that this gives off the vibe that, let me put it to you like this. In life, whether you're in school, at work, Wherever it may be, there is somebody that is really good at your job that holds whatever it is that you're doing together. However, they can be difficult to work with in a few ways. Whether it's ego, they're not really good character-wise, there's not really an easy cohesion. It's difficult. And for Steph Curry, I feel that in ways that he's trapped. And people are probably going to look at me and say, Oh, well, Josh, how does that make any sense? You know, you just said that, you know, all the things check out. And they do. Again, the coach, owner, GM, Ross, all that jazz, all of it is great. But because of all of that, Steph Curry, of course, doesn't want to leave. He's been there since 2009. He's built what they are, essentially, not completely by himself, but he's a very large component of it. They offered him the bag. You know, all the things that work out for him. Why would he have to leave? However, what comes with that is that you have to deal with Draymond. You have to deal with Draymond. And I think at this point, Steph, playing with him for almost 10 years now, I think it kind of wears on you, right? Like, it, it wears on you. And maybe they can turn this thing around. Maybe they can solve some things. But it's not looking too good. I don't think it looks too promising from a team that traditionally has you know chemistry they play with a joy that they're, they're they're entertaining to watch and right now i don't see it i don't see the energy i don't see the effort i feel that people are walking on eggshells and they need to win some games they need to win some games fast so they don't have to hear about this and they don't have to deal with this throughout the rest of the season. Because if this thing gets out of control in the West keeps emerging with all these teams, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond from their championship run from last year. And that's going to do it for our episode of Hold That L for today. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. I hope, you, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And we will be back relatively soon for more content. Thank you again. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye. This is a CCRI radio podcast. New content every week from students at the Community College of Rhode Island. Listen, watch, read and get involved at ccri.edu/studentmedia.